Muhammad became one with Allah. Not Allah in the sense of the ultimate God, because nobody can come near him. Nobody can become one with him in that sense. He became Allah. Muhammad is Allah. Allah is Muhammad. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad alihimma wal mahdiyina wa sallam taslima Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh my dear brother Dr. Irfan Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Thank you for joining me again no, It's great to be back again with you So today we wanted to talk about the night journey of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi the significance of the night journey and uh, its relationship uh, with monotheism. Wow. So basically in Islam uh, and in Judaism and Christianity, uh, but especially in Judaism and Islam, there's a specific importance that's placed on monotheism. And it's considered to be the most sacred of all knowledge and perhaps the most difficult of all sciences. Uh, the narrations uh, from the Ahlul Bayt stressed uh, on this fact. Why? Because monotheism is, has to do with the proper worship and knowing of God Almighty. And, and that really is the whole point uh, of religion. I mean, religion was put into place. God says, I have not created the humans nor the jinn, except that they may uh, worship me. And, and to worship is to know. You can't worship something uh, that you don't know. And there is this understanding also, and it's mentioned in the narrations of the Ahl Bayt, that the people vary in their knowledge of God Almighty. And they also vary in their degrees of, of uh, because of that, they vary in their degrees of worship of God because their understanding of God is different. There are some people out there who are uh, literalists and uh, they take the apparent of the book. And so uh, they believe, uh, for example, that God has hands and God has legs because uh, these are uh, descriptions that he's described by. Uh, and there are others who know God to uh, a different degree. And the, the more that you know about God, the more correct your monotheism is, the better monotheist you are, the more that you're able to rid yourself of hidden um, uh, degrees or hidden aspects of shirk or polytheism that's in your belief system, uh, the closer that you are uh, to the truth. Mm. So, uh, Imam Ahmed al-Hassan, uh, the promised Yemani, whom we're going to be uh, airing an entire episode about him, and uh, the uh, vicegerent uh, of Imam al-Mahdi, uh, his messenger that, that was sent forward uh, to the people, 
he wrote a book called the book of monotheism and in the book of monotheism uh, Imam Ahmad Hassan he speaks about this idea that God the true God the God of all things he has a name and although this aspect is not pointed out in the book when we look into Judaism in the Hebrew Bible we find that when Moses goes and he speaks to God he asks him at the end of the conversation you know when I go back to the Israelites uh, whom should I tell them sent me and the response that's given to Moses is and that translates to I am that I am it was a it's a very uh, confounding response mm. uh, that people have contemplated over uh, since the time that the Torah was written uh, this response that was given to him uh, what does that mean how is his name I am that I am and so Moses naturally would go to his people and and they would say who sent you and he would have to say he said I am that I am you know and so the reference uh, that would be given to the God of Moses would just be he mm-hmm. him and that is exactly what Ahmed Hassan says in the book of monotheism that there is this ultimate name that the greater 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 name of God is that is huwa in Arabic which translates to he and or him and this is a reference to that original name that was given to Moses and then the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt also uh, it speaks when the, when, when, the, when the Imams are talking to their companions and they're talking about the time of the Qa'im they say that when he goes to gather his companions he calls God by his Hebrew name and, and literally spelled out in the Arabic hadith uh, on the tongue of the Imams uh, when they say what is the name uh, the Imam responds and he says ashar and he says it uh, in, in Arabic which is the Hebrew mm. which is I am that I am right. okay so the idea now in the book of monotheism is that there is this and in these religions Judaism Christianity and Islam is that there is this ultimate form of God there's this not even form there's this ultimate name of God and that name does not give you any information about what he is like or who is he Mm -hmm. it is a word that is incapable of describing uh, the God it is just a reference him he why is that because the belief is is that the ultimate God is unlike anything he is so high that nothing is like him and we have this 
uh, being repeated over and over uh, in the Quran. There is nothing like God. That, uh, you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has nothing that resembles Him. Right. You know, uh, not 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 in the heavens nor in the earths. Uh, so the ultimate God is is beyond comprehension. He's beyond imagination. He's beyond and higher than description. Right. So I think all Muslims would, would, would agree on that for the most part. And also most Jews would agree with that uh, for the most part, if not all of them. That he's beyond uh, having uh, human characteristics or, or descriptions that, you know, or you can't compare the ultimate God to anything that exists. And so how did this ultimate God allow himself to be known to normal human beings or to his prophets and his messengers? And the answer came that he had to uh, manifest certain characteristics of himself in creation in order that people would know an aspect of him or get an idea of what he might be like okay and that's a, that's a complex mm. statement so what is it that we mean by that so we know that god can cannot be evil he has to be uh, all things that are good and so uh, god would uh, manifest uh, in creation in creation would exist uh, mercy there would be acts of extreme mercy that would take place on the earth there would be people that are merciful they are manifesting traits that belong to the almighty and we know that in Islam, God has given these 99, 99 names. Yeah. One of them is the merciful. Mm. So these names of God, merciful, other people through becoming merciful themselves become manifestations of this trait that God has attributed to himself. They come, become manifestations of this name of God in creation. But in reality, in reality, uh, God is merciful and mercy is his essence. But even then, God is different and he's above his very essence. And even his essence is not a proper or adequate description, description. of him. Even his names, he is too high that he himself be his names. Yes. Do you understand? Now that's why it's so fascinating to hear the description given to Moses uh, when he asked him. Uh, he said, I am that I am. Uh, and just this aspect of mercy is just one small sliver of that, that even cannot encompass God. So Yeah, so the idea now is what? It, and if we simplify things uh, in, in ways that we can imagine it so that it's simpler for the viewer. It's like this. Imagine uh, God is existing and you can't see him. He's invisible. 
uh, and you can't hear him uh, because you know it's he's not like anything that um, you know that that human senses can 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 sense or comprehend right? right if we're talking about the ears the eyes and the the nose you can't smell god you can't hear god you can't see god he's above all of that so in order that God becomes known, what does he have to do? He has to imagine him shining or manifesting this gigantic ball of light. Mm. This gigantic ball of light uh, that he sends into the world right, uh, is his essence. Okay. And then there's these rays that shine out of his essence. Each one of these rays is one of his names. Mm. And so the ball of light that he sends into this world, if the if his reality is he mm. or then the ball of light itself would be Allah, God. Because even he is above and greater than Godhood itself. He, Hoa, is above lordship itself. If there are no human words that can properly describe the reality of God, then it's not even appropriate to... I mean, He is a God, and He is Lord, and He is the merciful, and He is the wise, mm. right? But these are all only names that have limitations. Right, right. God is unlimited. So He manifests His essence. His essence is, is called Allah. And Allah has all of these names. He's truthful. He's wise. He's merciful. And all of these names dissolve into his essence. His name is the wise. But his essence is wisdom. His name is the merciful. But his essence is mercy. Mm. Okay? Right, right. So Allah is a word that human beings use mm. that gathers all of these uh, good names these of, rays of light. God. Right. Right? So when human beings say Allah, what they mean by that is that being that we know that is merciful and truthful and he's the creator and he's the one that holds people to account and he's the first and he's the last and he has all of these characteristics. Yes. So instead of saying all of these names that we know all belong to God and describe God in human, in human senses mm. or in, in the human mind, Allah is a name, a word that gathers them all. Right. When we say Allah, it means all of it. Right. Right? Right. So Rahman, Rahim, every, all of these names will dissolve into them. All of these names dissolve in it. The name Allah is used to describe all of all them. All of these attributes. Okay. Okay. But we still believe, and, and the reality is, is that all of these names, and even the word Allah, which gathers them all, mm. is not, his reality. Right. His reality and truth is greater than that. And that's why the word Allah 
in Islam, in the Hadith, in Sunni Islam, and in Shia Islam, is not even considered to be his greatest name. Mm -hmm. The narrations are clear that God has a greater name than Allah, and that he also has a greater, greater name. And some narrations even state that he has a greater, greater, greater name. Times three, okay. Times three. Wow. So there's names that are greater than that. And the narrations from the Ahl Bayt have clarified that the greater, greater, greater name of God is this Huwa or Him, this Ehye Asher Ehye, this name that points towards the truth and reality of God without giving Him a trait or a characteristic or describing him by anything because a monotheist at the highest level or the highest degree knows that God cannot be described. He's above description. Got it. Right. You got it? Yes. You understand? Yes. Okay. All right. So now... How does this idea tie into what happened with the Prophet Muhammad, uh, peace and blessings be upon him and his family, mm -hmm. on the night journey? So the idea is that the uh, prophets and the messengers, uh, they were the light of God and the words of God in creation. And they were also the names of God in creation. And that's why you have uh, the Imams, like you might have, one of them is called Al-Baqir, Muhammad Al-Baqir, Muhammad the Revealer, Jafar Al-Sadiq, Jafar the Truthful, uh, Musa Al-Qadim, Musa the one who is a restrainer. Mm. So you have these proofs of God that are bearing the names of God. Because the Imams were the perfect manifestation in creation of these traits or characteristics of the essence of God, which is Allah, this name that, you know, that gathers it all. So nobody was a more perfect example of truthfulness on the earth than Jafar al-Sadiq. Jafar al-Sadiq uh, was a manifestation and a display for humanity of the truthfulness, the name, the truthfulness of God. He mm -hmm. always spoke the truth. Al-Baqir, uh, Al-Baqir is the revealer. The revealer is a name of God. God is the revealer. But Muhammad the revealer was a perfect manifestation of this name of God in creation. The prophets and messengers, um, in varying degrees, were the words of God and also the names of God mm. in creation. So these names that we got to know God by, the prophets and the messengers would display them. That's why they were proofs upon us. That's why they're messengers of God. Right. Because if you have a God, whose essence is mercy, then his messenger has to be merciful. Right. If you have a God who is wise, that's his wisdom is his essence, 
then you have to have him sending a messenger that is wise, right? right? So these prophets and messengers that came from the time of Adam all the way to Muhammad and then the imams after that, each and every one of them had to be a manifestation of one or more of these names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in creation. Right, right. So that these, these rays of light that come from that ball that you described uh, of light, uh, the, the messengers and the imams are these rays of light by which we understand or know, get to know God. Yes. yes. And so they had to be manifestations of that, although some of them were less. For example, you might have Jonah who was less patient than another prophet. Right. So so he he didn't do a good job necessarily at being a manifestation of particular names. And maybe there was prophets and messengers that weren't manifestations of particular names. Mm -hmm. For example, one of the names of God is the creator, you know, and creating or create is is the essence of God. Okay. Okay. Yes. But Jesus was. Jesus could create. He could create uh, birds by God's permission out of clay. And so he became a manifestation of the name of God, Al-Khaliq, or the Creator. Right. Okay, because he is Al-Khaliq. He's displaying this name uh, for creation. Creation sees Jesus creating, and then they know by seeing it that the one who sent Jesus Mm. can create. Right. right. Do you understand? That's... They see, they see, uh, they see Moses being truthful, and by him being truthful and his promises coming true, they get to know that the one who sent Moses always keeps his promise and is truthful. Right. Okay. So this is how it works. The messengers are sent into creation uh, to represent and manifest these characteristics or traits or names of God in creation. Whereby the creatures, they get to know through them the creator. Right, right. Okay? Yes. So now we spoke about what they are, the messengers, and now we spoke about how some of them manifested certain traits, but other prophets that didn't create, for example, unlike Jesus, they weren't able to manifest that aspect. So the people of their time, they were limited in how much they got to know of God through uh, the display of that of that prophet or messenger. So on the night journey, basically what happens is that the Prophet Muhammad, uh, the uh, sky opens up and the Prophet Muhammad ascends. He's taken. And it didn't happen just on one occasion, but on two occasions. And uh, the Prophet goes through all of the layers of the heavens until he reaches the ends of the seventh heaven. And then he also travels beyond that. And he gets to a point where he is two, the length of two bows or less, that's the distance, between him and the Almighty God. And he's told by Gabriel that the place that he is now ascending to, nobody had ever ascended to that place before. Right. 
the Prophet Muhammad became the closest of all creatures to God. Nobody became as close to God as him. Nobody knew God as much as he did. And then he has a conversation uh, with God. He hears the voice of God beyond this curtain. There's this emerald veil that's shining, that's in between Muhammad and in between the the huwa, the truth, the reality uh, of God. But he's veiled off. And he hears through the veil God glorifying himself, saying, Subuham Kudus, I am the Lord of the angels and the spirit. And Muhammad falls down to his knees and then falls down into prostration. And the narration states that there was an opening in the veil whereby Muhammad. It was an opening that was the size of uh, the hole of a needle. Mm -hmm. Okay, so something extremely small. But that penetration into the veil is something that had never happened with any other prophet or messenger. Not with Moses, not with anybody that came after him or before him. Muhammad is the only one who even reached the veil of God in that degree. Right. So the light from the glory of God shines through the veil and Muhammad dissolves into the veil. The veil is the Quran. The Quran is that which was between the truth and reality of God and between creation. The Quran is the words of God. And so the words of God was between this and this. Muhammad is on this side of the veil. Mm. He disintegrates into the veil and he becomes one with the Quran and Muhammad becomes the Quran itself and Muhammad becomes on the night journey a perfect manifestation of all of the words of God. Muhammad becomes the perfect and most complete example for all of creation by dissolving into the veil. His ego had completely dissipated. His personality had completely went away and Muhammad and the Quran became one on the night journey. And the Quran is the essence. Right. Okay? So Muhammad became one with Allah. Not 
Allah in the sense of the ultimate God, because nobody can come near him. Mm -hmm. Nobody can, can uh, um, become one with him in that sense, because he, Huwa, is only one. Mm -hmm. But one can become one with his names and his traits and his characteristics and with his words. A human being can become a perfect manifestation of his names. Right. A person can become, and that's the great thing, that is the great mystery and secret of, of human beings mm -hmm. that's mentioned in the narrations, is that God created human beings with the ability to be greater than the angels if they obey God and, and lower at the same time than the lowest of worms and the lower than the shayateen themselves, the devils, if they disobey God. So a human being has the ability to become a manifestation of the traits of God. A human being can uh, be the perfect example of mercy, be the perfect example of generosity, uh, can be the perfect example of humility, can be the perfect example of being a creator, uh, just like Jesus was. And so Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him and his family, by becoming one with the Quran, he became the perfect light the perfect caliph of god mm -hmm. in creation the perfect messenger muhammad became the perfect adam and the perfect jonah and the perfect abraham and the perfect jesus and the perfect isaiah and zechariah and hosea and all of the names of god almighty and all of his prophets and messengers wow. so then when we study <clears throat> or we look at muhammad we are looking at the veil of god we are looking at the veil of god and so muhammad then after the night journey he becomes that veil because he became one with it right he became the veil that's between god and creation and muhammad became the one who won the race between all of the prophets and the messengers right. because all of them had aspired to get as close as possible to god muhammad became a manifestation now of Allah in creation. He became Allah. Muhammad is Allah. Allah is Muhammad. Muhammad and Allah are manifestations in creation of the Huwa. Right. If we mean by Allah, the name which gathers all of his traits, mm. if we mean by Allah, uh, the most merciful, the most gracious, the most beneficent, then Muhammad is Allah. He became Allah and became one with Allah. If we mean by Allah, the ultimate creator, then no, the ultimate creator is still one and there's nothing that's like him. Right. And him being named Allah in that rank of monotheism is even inappropriate because there is no name 
Allah or other than Allah that can properly, adequately describe him. Right, right. Do you understand? Um, so if we wanted to know God and we look at the 124,000 prophets and messengers, the most complete uh, reflection of God in that sense would be Prophet Muhammad, since he became that final frontier, that veil that veils I am that I am. Yes. And so, so, so Muhammad how did he get to know God? He got to know God by becoming like God. Mm. And the only way for the rest of creation to know God is to become like God. And the one who we can get to know, who became the prime example for humanity, that's, that was the secret of his greatness, is that, is that God finally managed to send forward a man who properly represented him, whereby people who got to know Muhammad got to know perfectly the personality of the divine who sent Muhammad. Mm. They got to know Allah. And that's why there's a hadith whereby Muhammad is speaking to Ali ibn Abi Talib and he says, nobody knows Allah except for me and you, Ali. And nobody knows you except for me and Allah. And nobody knows me except for you and Allah. Because the only ones who succeeded, the only one who succeeded to perfectly dissolve into God was Muhammad. And thus Muhammad became God, became Allah. Nobody knows Allah except for Muhammad because Muhammad is Allah and Allah is Muhammad. They became one. And Ali ibn Abi Talib was the perfect successor, the perfect vice chairant. He was the only one who got to know Muhammad perfectly and was able to dissolve into Muhammad and became the perfect copy of Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And so in opening, opened up for Ali ibn Abi Talib in the veil now, which is Muhammad. Ah, And so Ali got to see from the light of God through Muhammad and dissolve in it in the same way that Muhammad got to see from the light of God in the Quran and became one with it. And therefore Ali and Muhammad and Allah, they all became one. And there's many other hadiths that indicate this. And the Imams also, each and every one of them that came after Ali ibn Abi Talib, they followed in the same footstep. And each and every one of them uh, reached this rank where uh, they dissolved into uh, the Imam that was before them. And they managed to become this uh, perfect manifestation, the perfect representation of Muhammad. So Muhammad became this perfect manifestation of Allah, of all of these divine traits and names in creation. Ali ibn Abi Talib became the perfect example and manifestation of Muhammad after Muhammad. Uh, after Ali ibn Abi Talib, Al-Hasan became the perfect image of Imam Ali, who he himself was a perfect image of Muhammad. So therefore, Al-Hasan was also a perfect image 
of yeah. Muhammad. And that's why there's a hadith that says that the first of us is Muhammad and the last of us is Muhammad and the middle of us is Muhammad wow. and all of us oh. are Muhammad because each and every one of them dissolved and became Muhammad in creation. And it became, uh, and that's why there's many hadiths that state that uh, it is Muhammad and the family of Muhammad that were actually the ones that uh, faced the prophets and the messengers. And there's other narrations that state that it was actually Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. It's actually Muhammad and the family of Muhammad that hold the prophets and the messengers to account. Because now Muhammad reached this degree mm. where he became the veil between God and the rest of creation. Right. When the prophets and messengers uh, pass away, or when the prophets and messengers were trying to communicate with God, or when the prophets and messengers were receiving revelations from God, who were they receiving from? Who were they communicating with? Who was the one who was speaking to them? The one who was speaking to them was Muhammad When Moses was speaking to God from behind the burning bush, was heard by the ear. But we know that the ultimate God cannot be heard by the ear because nothing is like him. Mm. So it was Yahweh or it was Jehovah or it was Allah. You know, these words that are given to describe these traits of God, right? right. right that are references to him, but not accurate ones. So this veil that communicated with Moses from the burning bush would have been Muhammad or one of the other caliphs that came after Muhammad that managed to reach that level of closeness to Muhammad and disintegration into Muhammad where they became also the veil of God by proxy uh, whereby a prophet like Moses did not reach so it would have been one of them, Muhammad, by the command of God, or one of the other imams that came after uh, Muhammad that would have been the speaker from behind the veil to them, to the Moses or the messengers. That's why there's hadith also narrations from the Ahl Bayt that state explicitly that the the you know when it's talking about the time of the appearance of the Mahdi and the Amani and the Qa'im it says that you know it's talking about those times and then it says when this and this and this happens then expect the appearance of the speaker to Moses on the mount and there's other narrations where Imam Ali is stating I am the one who spoke to uh, Moses uh, from the burning bush. Right. Right? The hadith that bewilder the minds are the, finally the, having the, an explanation. Exactly. Yes. This is a fascinating topic. So so the the point of the night journey was that Muhammad had reached to the highest degree that was attainable and that's possible, thereby becoming the very veil of God thereby he himself became Allah. Uh, the, when, the, when the Quran talks about uh, Allah coming forth in the clouds, mm. uh, the narrations of the Ahl-Bayt, they explain it as saying that this is about 
Muhammad in the Raja uh, when he spears Iblis or kills him. Um, so when it talks about Allah having arms, Allah having legs, Allah having feelings, uh, it is describing a creature uh, that was a veil that was the perfect manifestation, which is Muhammad Subhanallah. Amazing. Wow, what a epic description of the night journey, that mystery of mysteries that we all wanted to sort of understand. And the way you've linked it to monotheism is, uh, I think uh, anybody watching this, I really hope they contemplate on its truth and really, really look into the books of Hadith, which confirm everything that you've said. And uh, I think we'll, we'll stop there then, uh, as to not confuse the viewers uh, any further. Uh, but we'll continue, inshallah, over the course of the uh, coming episodes to uh, shed more light uh, into this idea of uh, monotheism and uh, the narrations of uh, Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. Thank you, Arifan. Thank you very much, Abbasah.